Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's time for the good oil, thanks to Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. And this morning for the good oil, Bryce, wanted to focus on some comments made by Todd Greenberg yesterday, a part of the Australian Cricketers Association, regularly joins SEN Test Cricket as part of our coverage on day three for pretty much every test over the summer, I think he is, which is always great. He provides some great insight, particularly to the landscape of cricket. And off the back of the debate regarding the priority of international cricket over the franchise cricket, and there's been developments on that front right across this week. Mitchell Stark at the very start of the week made comments around the fact that he made the decision to focus on international duties and the offers for the big money in the IPL he's put away to benefit his international career. And I suppose you could argue that he was able to up his price in many respects because of his dominant performances in the international landscape. Here he is earlier in the week on his decision not to play in the IPL. I think it was 2015 the last time he played there, and next year it'll be the first time since then that he's played. He's him explaining why he hasn't been a part of the IPL. Wouldn't change it. Uh, I think it's certainly helped my test cricket, um, if anything else. Uh, Probably helped my manage my body through through the amount of cricket I've been able to play um, and certainly and definitely the, the biggest uh, reason for it was to spend some time at home with, with obviously with Elisa and, and the family so yeah I wouldn't change any of that um, I think it's probably a better cricket, cricketer because of it um, and, and again I, I certainly haven't pulled out of IPL or, or pulled out on teams I just have made choices to, to prioritise international cricket. It's a it's an interesting concept, I feel, because we're on the fringe of it flipping and it feels as if the sentiment towards players prioritising franchise cricket may come more to the fore given the, the rumours around the potential secondary IPL season, the 10-over tournament that has been proposed for the back half of next year, the 100 that we've seen in England the state's also starting to get involved in T20 competitions. Added to that, all those competitions already taking place over in the Middle East. South Africa has their own tournament that I think, from memory, is partially funded by the IPL. So there's there's links there to enable the commercial and the financial interests to attract players long-term. But Mitchell Stark, if, you, if we just focus on his comments for a moment... 
the the fact that he's made that choice, as, as he said in that grave, yeah. he he, ha, he hasn't he he hasn't felt the pressure. He's he's been able to make those decisions, and he's comfortable enough as being one of Australia's premier bowlers at the moment and in the recent history to be able to have that luxury of making that choice as to whether or not you want to play for your country or play for franchise cricket. Some cricketers aren't in that luxury and some of those going forward in particular are going to make a very hard decision as to whether they continue up the pathway to ensure that they are in the running for a potential gig with the national team or whether they choose the more lucrative option that sets them up financially for the future, which I don't think you can begrudge. You can't begrudge someone for making the most of the opportunity that's presented to them. No, and it's a, it's a limited uh, career they have as a, as a cricketer. So I think, um, you know, Stark is in that position. Look, he gets paid really well to represent Australia. He's on a, a national contract and he gets paid millions of dollars to do that in all forms of the game. So the decision is somewhat a little bit easier. Um I guess I pose the question away from Australia. Pakistan um, players um, are in a different kettle of fish. They get paid three hundred dollars to play domestic first class cricket. Three hundred dollars a game. It is so different. They get paid around five thousand dollars to play a test match. It, it, the two teams competing out there around what they pay. It's very, very, very different. So that's where um, someone. In that in that situation, in other countries, that's where Test cricket's really going to suffer. If they're not paid um, accordingly uh, for what they're doing, um, they will choose uh, to go elsewhere. Now, of course, the Pakistani players won't be able to get to the IPL, and that's a whole other uh, issue. But um, even through the PSL, they get paid quite quite well in in US dollars. They get paid really well, so they're making those choices. Some players are choosing to play Big Bash ahead of playing Test match cricket for their country. Harris Ralph is one of those at the moment. Exactly, and uh, although that's coming to a tight end because that has been shut down now. Um, the the um, Pakistan Cricket Board have now revoked his uh, his continuation of uh, his uh, approval, I suppose, the contract approval. So, look, there's a lot going on in world cricket, and. Uh, Todd Greenberg, he's across it all. He certainly was. And he also made the comment yesterday about you can't begrudge these players for maximising the potential when it comes to the financial element of the sport. They were specifically referring to Spencer Johnson, who went in the most recent IPL auction. Todd Greenberg yesterday on SEN Cricket with Jared Waitley and Adam Collins. You know, he'll still want to play for his country, as we all would want him to. But there will be a push and pull element, which is hard to get away from. And who in their right mind in any vocation, whether it's sport or industry, wouldn't take that option either. Um, You can't begrudge the players for finding the best commercial outcome because, one, they've got a limited lifespan, and two, quite often, they don't choose their own demise at the end of their career. It's chosen for them. So you've really got to cash in while you can. And there are opportunities for these players to genuinely cash in, as we've seen. And I think those opportunities are growing. As you've just said... If you shine in that league, you will find other leagues of which to ply your trade. Uh, Now, these are all good things for players, but it puts pressure back on the systems that we've generated over a long period of time, revenue share systems and domestic cricket and pathways, which we have to almost reinvent or reinvigorate. So what Todd Greenberg, the uh, boss of the Australian Cricketers Association, is alluding to there 
is that the whole landscape is about to change. Yep. If it already hasn't. And he, he made some comments yesterday about the fact that if you, 10 years ago, if you were to bowl up some of the suggestions about what players are currently up to, people would have been laughed away from it. And the pressure that in turn the decisions that players are now making independently and the pressure that that is put, putting on the bilateral boards of, of cricket and domestic competitions as well that are suffering... It's an interest. It's a more interesting landscape, as he said yesterday, regarding the pressure, particularly on the domestic systems in cricket. We're we're certainly looking well in advance of where we are now and trying to predict what that looks like. The hard thing to do is if we go back ten years, we would never have predicted where we're mm. sitting right now. So, <laughs> I'd love to tell you I've got that crystal ball, but what I can say with some certainty is that. The T20 leagues uh, around the world are growing. Uh, they're growing commercially, uh, and they've got much more private investment in them than they've ever had, which means that uh, earning opportunities for players will increase, which will put more pressure on the system domestically here and will put more pressure on bilateral cricket here. And when I say here, I don't just mean in Australia. I mean every competing nation in world cricket. And we're already seeing the West Indies, New Zealand, South Africa, being challenged by this, um, you know, and, and I saw recently South African cricket were telling their players not to tour in a test match series mm. in New Zealand but to stay and play T20 cricket. Now, if I'd said that to both of you 10 years ago, you would have laughed me out of the room. Mm. But that's happening today. So I, I don't think that um, we can turn our attention away from that and think it won't happen here because it will. In my view, it's a matter of when. And the matter of when seems to be closing in quite rapidly when this discussion comes up. It's becoming more and more prominent and it's going to create some issues, particularly with the way that cricket is currently fixtured. Oh, no question. Look, we lived through it uh, at the very start of um, T20 cricket from a Victorian squad. Uh, we lived through it and we had some players that were representing uh, IPL teams. Uh, there was a Champions League that we played in from uh, Victoria. So this is pre-Big Bash. So I, I I don't necessarily agree with Todd there. I think this is foreseeable because we lived through it um, more than 10 years ago. It was uh, exactly what was happening. And Dirk Nannis was one of those players. He was with the Delhi Daredevils at the time. And uh, the Delhi Daredevils paid a sum. I think it was somewhere in the order of six figures to to keep him in their squad for the Champions League. He couldn't return back to his home state in, in or home country, um, go back and play for Victoria. So it was definitely foreseeable. Now, that caused all sorts of for, – for those who were living in the moment, it created all sorts of challenges around, well, how, how's Dirk? He's turning his back on Victorian cricket. No, he's not. He's actually um, – living his life as a, a as a cricketer, making independent decisions. Now, that, that was absolutely foreseeable. And I, I guess the people with a strategic view of this is going to happen in the future um, uh, could, could see it unfolding. Uh, it, it's at a different level now. There are a lot more options to play in, uh, in, in different franchises. So, yes, the MOU between Cricket Australia and, uh, and the ACA needs to have this type of negotiation in there and allowing players the freedom 
to to go and choose where they want to uh, ply their trade. It, it's like any other job. They have the right, and 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 I, I certainly support that. Is that the players can choose to do that? Now we do need to then keep nurturing the pathway. So Australian Test cricket is strong. We need to keep in, investing in our domestic uh, competitions. At the moment, it, it's probably as strong as it's ever been. Sheffield Shield. I'm really happy to say that. But it does need to continue to have that attention applied to it so that we still get the best of that Australian representation, but we're still allowing players the flexibility to go and, and, and play and, and, and work where they want to. The Mitchell Stark mindset, if we're able to label essentially what he said in his comments we played before about his intention to prioritise international cricket and representing the country overplaying in these franchise leagues across the world. Do we need do we need to mentor the younger generation or or maybe even communicate or educate the significance of playing for the national team to a greater degree than what we already are? Um or or do- No, I think I think that's intrinsic coming through and and, and- Players want to represent Australia. There's no question about it. And they want to play test cricket. Even Glenn Maxwell put aside the IPL for a year to go and play county cricket at way less, way less money to, to still continue playing red ball cricket. So um, players are making that choice like Stark, like Maxwell. There are a number that are, that are doing that. And even the generation underneath that are going, no, no, I want to aspire and I, I still want to play cricket for Australia. So I think that's still strong. Yes, we need to keep nurturing that. Um, uh, off the uh, 40 Winks Temper Texas, there's some feedback here saying cricket seems to be only about money. Why is anyone surprised? Uh, Matt from Hunters Hill. No, no, no. It's not about money. It's about the right for individuals to choose where they want to work. You get a choice, Matt, where you want to work. And if um, if you work at Coles and uh, Woolworths are paying a bit more or you get a, a, a slight promotion there or a different role or you might be in the fruit and veg section but you want to work in the deli, you go and change and you go and work in the deli. Um, this is what cricketers are enabled to do. They have a skill set which is pretty unique um, but it is about plying their trade. It might be about going to a different franchise to play a different different role as well and, and the opportunity. Yeah, they get paid pretty well, but it's it's for a limited time of their life as well. And it's it's more of a business now, whereas I think cricket in previous generations, and we can probably broaden it out to sport in previous generations, there was that loyalty factor because there was still a, a part of it that was almost that amateur's not quite the right word to describe it as, but it, it was that more local feel, that more... It was a completely different concept to what we currently have now with elite professional sport and the opportunities that exist for players to be able to play the game that they love. And as it's you a just, global game. As you just said, it is like a job. If for, the, for these athletes, it is their job. And if they, if if we can't get our heads around the fact that they're they're enabled just like we are to if if you don't like what you're currently doing to go and find another way of doing it. Yeah. Upskill. Go, go yeah. and if you go and work somewhere else to get the experience of working under a different mentor and things like that. That's what these players are doing. There's opportunity to go to different franchises. They're often attracted by the players they'll play with, the coaching staff that are there to f- um, further advance their skill set. So there are a lot of reasons other than just the paycheck and what they get paid. But that's what the market is demanding because there is so much money in these in these systems. So the the biggest headline, and we'll get to this on the other side of the break, but the, the biggest headline I feel that we're going to experience 
from an Australian perspective in the very near future is the David Warner situation. We'll explore this because Dodd Greenberg had some comments to make about it yesterday as well, and we'll get into that on the other side of this. You can contribute to the conversation as well, 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. The priorities of world cricket and the impact of franchise cricket, it seems as though it's going to become more complex as we go into the future, but maybe as Bryce suggested, we've already been here before and there's a bit of a template on how to deal with it. This complexity that surrounds players and and their decisions or rather priorities in terms of playing franchise cricket and and international cricket and and the way that things are being structured and the issues that are seemingly on the the horizon from certainly from a, a follower's perspective someone who's passionate about the game and then seeing players that just disperse across the globe to be able to play in competitions and trying to get our heads around why this is unfolding. The biggest one from an Australian perspective is going to be David Warner, who has signalled that he will not be playing test cricket beyond the SCG test. And the way that he farewelled the MCG, it means that SCG will be the last one for David Warner. The issue, though, will be white ball cricket. He's still going to make himself available for that. But then his decisions about what tournaments that he plays in around the world could impact his flexibility about being able to play for the Australian team. The Australian Cricketers Association boss, Todd Greenberg, well, he made comments on this front yesterday as well when he joined Jared Waitley and Adam Collins in the SEN Cricket Commentary Box. I think the short answer to that is probably yes. Um, uh, I know he's pretty committed to the, the BBL and we've had this conversation, Dave and I, about the importance of, and you heard me say this on this exact program last year, about the importance of our best players playing in the BBL. And there's a reason for that, because if we've got our best players playing here, we're a big chance to create the biggest revenues. And the biggest revenues for domestic players means everyone shares in those revenues. Uh, And that's sort of incumbent on our best players to try to play. And I've had that conversation with Dave and others. But there's no doubt in the next phase of Dave's life, he's going to be looking to ply his trade where he gets the best return on his investment. And... I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I'm encouraging him to do that. Um, And there will be times where he'll be looking to miss certain games or tours, and that's the sort of flexibility I think we've got to get our heads around. Um, Some people won't like that, but that's the modern world of which we're living in, and I think we have to embrace it. Todd Greenberg there, the boss of the Australian Cricketers Association, speaking yesterday on SEN Cricket. It was a fascinating conversation, and you can catch up on the podcast with at sen.com.au or the SEN app, and I encourage you to listen to it because there were some very interesting uh, conversations that came out of yesterday's, including what we're talking about currently. Whose role or responsibility is it then, Bryce? Because the, 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 the specific scenario that was referred to as part of the answer to that question was the white ball... Uh, matches at the end of January, early Feb in that window and whether Warner will be a part of that or whether he's going to go and compete overseas. The the layers to this, he's still under contract by Cricket Australia and that will, that will expire halfway through the year so then the circumstances around that will change again. But this will be the first test case, if you like, of an Australian player that has the opportunity to go and play franchise cricket There's international cricket that's taking place, but it doesn't really mean much in the scheme of things, which goes to our conversation yesterday about 
the relevance of playing so much cricket and the players having an appetite to be a part of something meaningful or something that just exists. Yeah, exactly. I, I, whose responsibility is it? I, I think it, uh, it it comes to Cricket Australia with the support of the Players Association to actually map out what the calendar looks like. This is what the, the selection group and the coaching group um, and the management group, I suppose, of, of the, the high-performance team is doing, I think they're doing it really well. It, it, they are mapping these things out for each of the players individually so they know what the, the future is and, and how they're going to uh, fit into the team. Um, it's helping them prioritise what's really important and, and understand and have that open conversation with the player, maybe even their manager as well, um, to actually sit down and, and work through this. It's a different way of doing selection. It's not, oh, you're selected here and the player's then choosing to be elsewhere. Um, it, it is a collaborative method in which they need to do it. And I think they're doing it better now than what they ever have done at any other point um, in, in Australian cricket history because they have to. Um, they have to be across these things. They have to map out for um, Usman Khawaja um, that m- missing a couple of Shield games early on to keep you fresh. After the Ashes, he came back utterly exhausted, um, mentally and physically exhausted. He'd been to India. He'd played the Ashes. He was exhausted. So he took a break from uh, Sheffield Shield cricket, missed a couple of those earlier games, um, played two out of four of them um, so that he would be fresh for the Australian summer but the critical part of that is on the back of it in February is a New Zealand series that is so so important for the overall World Test Championship the points away series there so that this is where you're going to be Usman this is where what it looks like the Australian summer it's not just the next game where you get selected it's a longer term view we need to keep you right if you've got a history of getting exhausted then we need to keep you fresh for that so it's managing those situations they need to do that with every player and none more importantly with Dave Warner he'll be the first test case but it's a collaborative open communication that'll make it work how does it make you feel when you hear that he's going to not necessarily be a part of the Australian white ball team when he could potentially be available but has made the decision to not be but I, I yeah look I think I, I think Dave Davey wants to play for Australia I think he wants Australia's success I think but does he, does like he going to World Cups and winning them is what he's about playing tournament play and there's a T20 World Cup coming up he needs to prepare himself in the best way and I think that the Australian cricket leaders would go actually going to the IPL is not a bad thing so for you to go and do that, you might miss a, a one-day series that we might have him in the meantime. Now, I'm not matching up the schedules here, but it, just given that example, you might be better off going to the IPL because that leads into the World Cup for us. That's good for you. That's your path. Go and do that. Um, we'll, we'll mix and match with other players. The whole thing leading up into the World Cup was measured. It was – it was it, it, what, a lot of people were saying, oh, they don't know what their best team is. They don't know where they're going and all that. Don't. Don't for one minute think that that's the case. They know exactly where all these players are. Even the tier below, they know exactly in the path they're on. And what they're endeavouring to do is make them the best that they can possibly be um, when the opportunity comes to represent Australia. But if it is becoming a better player in the in the domestic competition below, they're, they're absolutely mapping these things out now. It, it is organised. It is not um, fly by the seat of your pants. So are you suggesting then this is more of an issue for a fan 
Is is this more of it's a It's probably understanding these yeah. things. It, it's a better understanding and probably the communication around what is going on could be a whole lot better. So, um, you know, maybe that's up to us to gra- grab a few of these managers like Todd Greenberg who's sharing this information. This is the where they're at at the moment. We'll, we'll, we'll get them on here and we'll be able to have those open conversations because I think it's a communication a- out to the public uh, as to what is going on. 0433981116 or give us a call on 1300 736 736. Hearing what Todd Greenberg had to say, and we've only played small snippets of it for you this morning, but is that what you want to hear more of? If we are going into this different landscape, do you want to hear more of what Todd Greenberg had to say yesterday? And I suppose more honesty and education around preparation and how the team, the national team, certainly prepares for the big tournaments.